Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 5, beginning with verse 21. And if you will allow me to confuse you just a little bit, I'm going to be reading two accounts of the same story kind of blended together. So if in your Bible there's a phrase different or added on, it's the two accounts, if you're taking notes, in Matthew chapter 15 and Mark chapter 7. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Would you do that today? Matthew 15, 21. Then Jesus went thence and departed into the borders, the coast of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into a house and would have no man know it. However, it could not be kept secret. Jesus could not be hid. For a certain Canaanite woman, a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, whose young daughter had an unclean spirit, heard about Jesus. And coming from these same coasts, she came and fell at his feet, crying, Have mercy on me, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil, which means my daughter is demon-possessed and is tormented all the day and all the night. But Jesus answered her not a word. His disciples came and besought the Lord, saying, Just send her away, because she cries after us. But he answered the disciples and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Hearing this, she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. The only time Jesus ever used the phrase, great is thy faith, was never to Israelites or Jews, who were the natural people of God, but to Gentiles, those outside of the commonwealth of Israel, those that were strangers to the covenant of promise those that saw not only through a glass darkly, they hardly saw it all, but within them resonated, resonated a desire and an expectancy of God. And Jesus would say, great is your faith. To the disciples, he said, you have little faith. At one time, he said, no faith. You know you need night classes if you have no faith. And he said, woman, great is your faith. And here's what I want you to see. And for this saying, that thing you just said, about even dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Whatever your request was, be it unto you. You can go back to your house. The devil has gone out of your daughter. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. And when she came to her house, she found the devil gone and her daughter laid up in the bed in her right mind. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. There's two things going on here. There's the general application, and then there's the individual application that could be taught thousands of years later like it's being done on this Sunday morning. Jesus, leaving the people of God and the land of God, traveling into a pagan coastland, or the coast of a pagan land, I should say, entering into a house, and if you read it on the surface, it it might be confusing, but it'll make sense after I explain this to you. And it said, and he would have not made it known. 
or he, one translation says, and it was, uh, he wasn't making a big to-do about it. It was like as if he were hid. He wasn't blowing trumpets before him saying, here am I, here am I. But it's a precursor, a foreshadowing of how Jesus would come into the world separate from the national people of Israel. And Gentiles would come unto him. People who were not believers in the one true God. People from all faiths, all kinds, other religions, other religions that say they're the same as Christianity and others that believe they're totally different. And those of us like you and I, some of us who just lived horrible lifestyles. It said that Jesus could not be hid, which means the person that needs him will find him. He cannot hide from those who are searching, or he will not hide from those who are searching and those who seek him. He cannot be hid from the sorrowful, the wounded, the broken, or the despised. He cannot be hid from the poor, the destitute, the despised, or the foreigner. He cannot be hid from those who he has called, elected, predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son. Just like Jeremiah, the same can be said of each of us that are called of God before you were formed in the belly of your mother. Not as you were being formed, before. Before your daddy met your mama. Before the first wink when he winked at her, before anything. I knew you. How can that be possible? Could it be that in the heart of God, in the mind of God, we already existed? Could it be like he was talking to an uncreated person and said, now you don't know me yet, but a couple thousand years later, you're gonna be born, John, in Macon, Georgia, and you're gonna come up under your dad, your dad's gonna die, and you're gonna turn away from me, and you are gonna despise me, because as a little boy, you're gonna think the thought, what kind of God would take a little boy's daddy, and you're gonna want nothing to do with me, but in July of 86, you're going to walk into a church and hear a sermon. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, and your eyes are going to open, and you're going to sense my wooing, my drawing. It's going to be like a dead person coming to life, and it's going to seem after that day when you call upon my name and I recreate your spirit, it's going to feel like you've known me forever. So here's the foreshadowing. He went into a house... No one knew he was there, but everyone that's supposed to find him is going to find him. So, there's the precursor. I already feel good, by the way. So today, he is approaching our borders, looking for the one, waiting for the one. He didn't blow trumpets saying, all come on this day. Now, whosoever will may come and drink of the water of life freely, but you remember when he must needs go through Samaria? He must not might, must needs go. For there was a Samaritan woman there who had had five husbands and she had bankrupted her soul and Jesus told her everything that she ever did and she became one of the greatest evangelists that ever lived. And so Jesus knew that there would be a Syrophoenician woman coming because she heard about Jesus and she was going to have an encounter that was going to not only heal her daughter, but bring her, here it is, from the outside to the inside bring her from a dog, and dog, uh, and I'll get to this in a moment, well, I'll go ahead, and hit, I'll get it, I might forget. We hear that terminology, go, Jesus called her a dog, how horrible, no, what it means is, in that day, uh, different religions 
anyone outside of their religion, they would despise them and they'd call them dogs. Uh, alley dogs, wild dogs, diseased dogs. But when Jesus referred to her as a dog, what he was saying is, you're not a Jew, and we'll get to that in a moment, you're not at the table. And he, the dog he used was, but like family, house. And see, that's us, we who are far off from God, having no hope and without God in this present world. We were not part of Israel, but we would become a spiritual Israel, joined with the natural Israel. And in the body of Christ, there now is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. And there was the coming together. So this Syrophoenician woman is going to have this experience, and so will it be today. Christ is waiting on the one, the one who needs him the most and the one who thinks they need him the least. So let us be sensitive and careful in our response today. For this thy saying, how you respond to the Lord could be the difference between life or death, sickness or health, or eternal life and eternal death. For this thy saying. So I want to pray for myself and you pray with me as I speak this morning by the grace of God on the subject, what are you saying? What is your saying? So, Father, I just humble myself before you today. You knew who would be here. You knew every person that calls this place home. You knew every visitor. And I pray, oh, Lord, that you would get me out of the way this morning and let your word come like water finding the lowest place. Let it go to the heart of the person that needs to hear from you. May it be said of truth and in honesty that this day I heard the Lord's voice for my life. Let salvation occur, let uh, relief come, let miracles be released, Lord, by the entrance of your word, because the entrance of your word gives light and life. Anoint me this morning, Lord, I pray. I have no trust, no dependence, and no hope in my ability to speak or from my study, but it's your anointing that I ask for, Lord, and I'm asking you to use me for the glory of your son this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you for a moment, not just about the Syrophoenician woman, but about you. So two stories going at one time, her story and your story. Let's look at her pain. Every person has something that's wrong at home. Every person has something that's dying at home. Every person has some satanic attack, some satanic inroad some spiritual warfare. Paul was very clear that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual rulers and wickedness in high places. This woman had someone she loved being destroyed before her very eyes. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, whether it was a child or a parent who was self-destructing or self-destructing and oftentimes by the deception of Satan tormenting him and stripping, I've had loved ones where I watched the devil just strip their youth and, and take their, their vitality and you see them 10 years later and they look 30 years older and the devil was, you know, it, it doesn't really matter if it's possessed or oppressed. People ask me, can a Christian be possessed? Can I? There's not much difference. Possession or oppression, the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy and this woman had someone in her life that was being destroyed. She had something at home she could not control. You don't control a, a, 
demon-possessed child. It's, it's not funny. I'm not making light of it, but looking back, there was a part of it that was funny. I'd been a youth pastor, Chris, about six months, and I'm, I'm new to church. I'm, I'm, I didn't even have church clothes, you know. I went to Goodwill, got them shiny suits. Y'all remember? Go that way, it's one color. Go that way. <laughs> hey, do what you got to do. Make it work. And so I'm greeting people in the foyer because that's what you did. And everybody dressed up back then. You know, hi, shake your hands, hi. And this lady walks in with her daughter. And I said, hi, good evening. Welcome to church. Hi. And she walks by me. She's 15 years old. Walks right by me in a man's voice. And she goes, he hates you. I'm brand new saved. I, that's not in no Bible class. It's what you're supposed to do. You don't read, you know, a book at the Christian bookstore. that says, if a demon-possessed person says that the devil hates you. So it was just reflex. And so I said, hi, good morning. Hi, good morning. He hates you. I said, tell him I hate him too. That's the first thing that came out of my mouth. I asked her, could I talk to her? I asked the mom, I said, could I talk to her in my office? And back now I know better. You're not supposed to take anyone in your office and not shut the door. But we, we had a talk. And I'm brand new in the Lord. Brand new. Her mom couldn't control her. Her mom was literally dragging her in the church. And she was cursing her and kicking her feet. Didn't want to be there. And I said, could I talk to her instead? Would you rather talk to me than go into church? And then in her voice, sure. So I go in and shut the door. This is one of my first encounters with spiritual warfare, if you will. And she sat down at my desk and leaned back and very arrogantly started laughing at me and mocking at me. And she goes, oh, he just hates you. And I said, what's his name? She told me. And I said, so how did you come to house an evil spirit? She told me the story, how she invited him in. Uh, her friends were participating in something, but Anyway, uh, we give way too much credence or in awe of it. It's just, it's, it's a supernatural reality, but it's naturally observed. We house the Holy Spirit. She housed an evil spirit. So she's doing all that, and I said, well, let me tell you something. Uh, he has no power in this office. She goes, he laughs at you. I said, he still has no power. As a matter of fact, can he hear me? And she said, yes. I said, Tell him if he can move anything on my desk, I'll bow down and worship him. And then, I, and then in my mind, I'm like, Lord, don't let... <laughs> I did. I said, if he moves anything, I'm gone. She can have the office. She can have the office. So I'm bold, but this is new territory, you know. And I said, but before that, I said, I just want you to know that my life and this office in this church is covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. God's glory was out. And she started physically just moving and contorting. I said, oh, are you upset now? I said, I'm about to tell him to leave you. And she said, he, he won't go. I said, in the, and never raised my voice. No theatrics, no Hollywood. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you based on the authority of God's word to leave this girl. And I said, give me your hand. And she took my hand and she screamed. She just screamed so loud. And she goes, your hand is cold. I said, my hand's not cold. Come out of the girl in Jesus' name. And it was just like you flipped a light switch. And she goes, what? I said, I've been talking to you in my office. She said, he's gone. And I said, do you understand what it means to be saved? She said, no. I shared the gospel with her. She was born again. 
in my office. And then she came out and met her mother after church and skipped out of church. I'm like, here you go, mom, take her with you. Now, I don't take no credit and not all my encounters with demon-possessed people went that smoothly. But my point is, Hollywood tells us that demon possession is, you know, somebody floating or their head spinning around or projectile. Demon possession, demon oppression, the working of Satan, is when lives are being destroyed. Stealing, killing, and destroying. And this woman had something at home that she could not control. Her faith, her Canaanite religion, her false gods, nothing could help her. She had a burden that she could not carry. It's one thing to see a child sick. And I know that with Jay's Hope, they do so much work with people. How, how, do you, how do you go to the hospital every day and your baby's got cancer and you're praying and you're believing? And that's one thing. But when your child is possessed, your teenager's possessed with an evil spirit, how do you carry that burden? In the same way, have you ever went to a funeral where the people weren't believers. How do you navigate the finality of a graveside service without the hope of the resurrection of those that believe? She had something at home she couldn't control and she had a burden that she couldn't carry. She had a problem that she could not solve. And here's the big, a big one. She had a history that she could not ignore. Her belief system offers no help because we believe and humbly we say to the world, it's why we're so despised, is our God is exclusively God. There is no other. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of Syrophoenician women. He's the God of pagans and others. Jesus said, there'll be many that come to me uh, outside of the grouping of Israel. They're going to come from everywhere. And he told the Pharisees, he said, prostitutes and tax collectors are going to run into the kingdom, but you're going to stay out at your religion. But her history, wouldn't it disqualify you if you were an idolater? If you carved sticks and killed animals and offered blood sacrifices to a deity that did not exist. Here's, here's, here's the beauty of this story. It covers us all. How do people like me and you with our history approach a pure and loving God? You don't. He draws you. Without an invitation, we have no hope, no access. Christ came into the world to seek and to save those that are lost. And sometimes it looks like he's avoiding, but why did he, if he was trying not to be found, why would he go into a pagan city like Tyre and Sidon? Because he knew there would be a Syrophoenician woman that would be coming his way. She had a request that she did not have a right to make. She was looking for a solution, but found a savior. She was looking for relief, but was ushered into revelation. She came for someone else, but received more for herself than her daughter ever got. She asked for a miracle, but she got so much more. All right, let's look at her approach. Look in your Bible. She came to the Lord personally. 
Oh, I'm going to hit it one more time. I've done it for 21 years. I'm going to do it again. She did not come with a priest. She did not come with a bishop or a pastor or a prophet or granddaddy because he has the access to God. He, she came by herself. By herself. There are gifts given to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, uh, those with gift of help for the building up and the edifying of the church. But your access involves no one else. No one else. You don't need no dead saint praying for me. I can pray my own prayers. I'm not making fun. Don't need no beads. Don't need no candles. Don't need Pastor John to put his hands on my... Pastor John, just give me your hand. Might as well shake a donkey's tail. Give you the same results. We can agree in prayer, but don't think I gain you access. We enter boldly by a new and living way which was consecrated through the veil. Wait, that is to say his flesh was ripped open like the veil and we walk in having boldness to come and find grace for help in time of need. She did not come with a pagan uh, witch doctor or some false priest. She knew if I'm going to meet God, I'm meeting by myself. I thank the Lord for history and heritage. I thank the Lord for my grandparents and my mama but I don't, and my daddy, but I, I, I don't want to know daddy's God. I want to know God for myself, know him for myself. She came honestly. Oh, this is where, I don't know who this is for, but as I was preparing, I knew the Lord impressed this on my heart for somebody. And I offer it in humility. I know sometimes I talk fast and it may sound like I, I'm coming across uh, over the top, but please hear my heart. Uh, I just feel it so strong. I, I'm not the answer guy. I don't feel like I know everything, but this, this is for somebody. And this is the problem. You're not receiving what you need from the Lord because you won't be honest. You won't tell the truth. She said, well, let's, let's back up. She comes into the house where Jesus would, would not have made his presence known. She comes and says, my daughter is demon-possessed. You know what some of us would do when we pray? Uh, or we'll ask somebody else to pray for us. Uh, I've got this uh, situation at home. And uh, just vague. Vague is our middle name. And uh, things aren't as they should be. And, uh, uh, you know, my husband and I are struggling with one of, one of our children. She said, mm-mm, she's demon-possessed. <laughs> it's bad. And we want God to fix something completely that we will not articulate truthfully. Let me give you an example. Instead of, Lord, do something for me. Come to him and say, God, I remember when I used to walk with you. I remember when I would seek you in the morning and seek you at night. You'd wake me up off my bed and I'd walk the floor and I'd feel your glory. And I am distant from you and I don't know what I did or I do know what I did. And you tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth. And when you tell the truth, heaven's doors open. God despises liars. And to withhold things from the Lord is deception. When we come and say, I'm backslid, oh Lord, help me. That person receives. And notice that she came by herself. She came truthfully. Some people are going under. It's like the person that fell off the ocean liner and they're pulling their tie up and said, would someone on the boat please throw me a line? Like, 
there's, there's no dignity in true need. We're so concerned with what someone might think that we're not honest. Lord, save us. We perish. Three preachers. This ain't in my notes, by the way, but it's really funny. Three preachers were in their office one day discussing what was their most powerful prayer. And one of them, and you can tell the backgrounds by the answers, one of them said, the most powerful prayer I've ever prayed, or that I pray, is I'm facing the north because Zion's in the north. And I open the windows like Daniel, and I extend my hands, and I call upon God. Mm. You know how people do that all the time? Mm. 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 And some of them get that face like they smelled something rotten, like, I don't know what that means either. And the other one said, the most powerful prayer I ever prayed was kneeling on grandma's bench. God rest her soul. Fingers interlocked under the chin, lights out, and one candle lit exactly at 12 o'clock midnight. Another one said, hmm. The third one said, the most powerful prayer I've ever prayed was in my prayer closet on the floor, blanket over my head, unaware of time or space, just me and God. The guy working on the phone said, excuse me, I'm no preacher, but the most powerful prayer I ever prayed was hanging upside down from a phone line about 60 feet in the air. (laughs) Lord, help! Now, we're laughing, and I've had visitors tell me, said, you know what you did? Every time you got me laughing, I told my husband, watch out, he's about to hit us. Watch out. When's the last time you prayed a Lord help prayer? She cried unto him, and she told the truth. All right, let's look on. It's getting good. Look at her approach. She came, but not without resistance. Her nationality was against her, pagan. Canaanites were Israel's, one of their number one enemies. So her genealogy were people that conquered and held captive the people of God. So her nationality was against her. In that day, her gender was against her because females didn't even have a voice. And you see in some third world countries now, all you see is the eyes. You can't talk to them. They have no, no status, no dignity, no voice. Her history, her idolatry was against her, worshiping false gods. And it appeared that Jesus was against her. It said, and Jesus answered her not a word. And then he told the disciples, I'm not sent but to the lost house of Israel. And it's not make to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. But let me tell you something about believers. Even if you don't know they're believers. They can take the least bit of encouragement or the slightest open door and push through it to a place of miracles. She didn't, Jesus did not tell her to leave. Now watch, I want you to catch this. This is good. I mean, this is good. I just, don't you love the word of God? Don't you just love it? It's, it's like this meat for the soul when you see it. Here she is approaching God for the first time. And she's talking, and Jesus is ignoring her. And in our group of people, we would have been offended. He's, he's not answering. So watch when God doesn't answer us. He's not answering. And then he says, 
It's not meat to give the children's bread to dogs. Now he's given me a word of correction and he's told me my true standing before him. I'm offended. So if you go into a church and they preach on certain sins and someone gets offended and leave, look at the perfect type here. It seems like God's not answering. He has told her, you are separate from me. And that correction didn't cause offense. She didn't stomp out of the house. I believe in her heart, she's saying, he didn't tell me to leave. He didn't tell me to leave. All that I am, and now here it is, and he's talking to me and about me. He's talking to me and to the disciples about me. I must be on his mind. And she stayed. Are you able to let the word of God tell you your true standing? Are you offended at the Lord's dealings? Some people find grace in those moments where other people close their heart and they're offended and they walk away from God because he did not perform as they anticipated. She approached him personally, alone, honestly, but she came against resistance, but maybe she knew, I, I have to have his help, so whatever he says about me, if he says I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. If he says I'm separate from him, well, we're all God's children. No, we're not. We're all God's creation. We're not all God's children. He pretty much told her, you are outside of the commonwealth of Israel. Yes. And then she's thinking, but he didn't ask me to leave. He must be going to tell me something else. All right, here we go. Now let's look at her faith. It was incomplete, yet powerful. It was incorrect, yet humble enough to be created. This is my opinion. Do you know why I think Jesus ignored her? Because she approached him. What she said was incorrect. She said, son of David, have mercy on me. She's not a Jew. You can't talk about someone else's experience and approach God. And so Jesus ignored her. He said, no, you can't come to me through Pastor John or the Jewish faith or the assemblies. Of... No, 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 no. Son of David, have mercy on me. No, you're not a Jew. Son of David means nothing to you. He didn't say that, but that's what's going on. So he talks to the disciples. He, he didn't answer her, but he's answering her. He said, uh, I'm not sent except to the house of Israel. For now. He didn't say for now, but watch. He came to preach the gospel to Israel. But he also came to die for the world. Jesus Christ came to, to, to give his life for the sins of many, for all. And it won't be long before the disciples, and especially the Apostle Paul, are going to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, you were afar off, but now, now you're made nigh by the blood of Christ. Come on in. Come on in. Whosoever will. Whosoever will. So Jesus is showing us a type of what's going to happen as well as dealing with the person on an individual basis. You're incorrect, you approach me incorrect. And if you approach God incorrectly, or second person, he's not going to answer you. I can't come through someone else's faith. She couldn't come through the Israelites' faith. She was not an Israelite. 
Now, I've alluded to this a couple times before. But I need to share it again. And I mean no disrespect at all, but I'm, I'm, I'm charged to teach you. In the last 10 or so years, it's been very popular for Gentiles to act, Gentile believers to act as if they're Jewish. Um, they will wear their apparel. They will emphasize the Torah. Uh, they will take upon customs and they feel closer to God through that. Now listen to me, listen to me. We are not Jews. I'm not Chinese. I'm not German. They were the natural people of God. They were pagan. Abraham was a pagan. He called Abraham out of the land of the Earl Chaldees, created the Jewish family, the Jewish nation, so the pagans became elected. So now he's not going to call us out and make us from pagan to be them. They were a national people of God. We are a spiritual people of God. And he joins them both together and he says, there is now no neither Jew nor Greek, no bond nor free. Well, what about the Messianic Jews? It's a wonderful thing. But we are not Jewish. Their Judaism was to be a schoolmaster that teaches them that they could not be righteous before God so they would accept the Messiah. So why would we go back to an old dispensation that Hebrews teaches has faded away? I'm not looking for the Ark of the Covenant. I house. I'm it. He doesn't, he doesn't dwell between the wings anymore. He lives in you. Christ in you. The hope of glory. The most humbling statement in the world. So I'm not going to go try to find him through shadows. So she was saying, I, I've heard you're the son of David. No, no, don't do that. That was for them. No, no. Hey, stick with me. Stick with me. Agree with me that you're separate from me. And she stayed. So now watch what happens. Her faith was misunderstood by the disciples, seemingly unappreciated and somewhat opposed. The disciples said, send her away. And first, at first, she was seemingly ignored by Jesus. But her faith was humble and said, if he's not asked me to leave, I will not leave. That person that draws near to God and has no idea who God is, sitting on a hill somewhere and said, to the invisible God, I don't know who you are. But I know that these false religions are not it. God hears them and receives them. And if he's not pushed you away, if you come, I love this verse, he that comes to me, I will in no wise cast him out. So I'm speaking today to the person that might be away from God spiritually and the one that needs a miracle from God and they're in the family. You have to approach God correctly. You have to come with your faith, your humility, your honesty. And even if God has seemingly ignored you, I'm asking you this morning, has he told you to leave? Then don't go nowhere because the story's not over. Number four, let's look at her words. Jesus just told the disciples, I'm not sent but to the house of Israel. And then she said, instead of son of David, she said, have mercy upon me. Have mercy upon me. That says, I know you're compassionate. Didn't it say in the first part of the story that she had heard of him? 
So she doesn't know Jesus, but she's heard of him. And I don't know who this is for anymore, but you've stopped telling your testimony. You've stopped talking about God at work. And how will they hear unless there's a preacher? How would they believe? Preacher's not just the guy on the platform. You got to tell something for them to hear it. And she heard that God was all powerful. He dried up red seas and the people of God came through. She heard that he had opened blind eyes and deaf ears and the lame walk. And that hearing of him drew her to him. And she said, I know you're compassionate. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. What she's saying is, I know you're all powerful. And she worshiped him. He just told her, you're not part. You're right. Have mercy on me. And she worshiped him. If we would limit our words and increase our worship, we would see God's glory. When you worship Him in difficult situations, when you worship Him when something's out of control at home, when you worship Him when you're carrying an impossibility, and then after worshiping Him, or that's saying, I know you're God because you only worship God. And she said, Lord, help me. This is where it shifts. I've been waiting all morning to tell you this. There's usually one thing in the sermon each Sunday. Ever, oh, I can't wait to tell you this. She went from religion, son of David. Because she heard somebody say that. Where, where would she get son of David? I mean, she's out in high grass. The golf ball gone out in high grass. You know, they're worshiping sticks and frogs and everything else. And so she comes in. She'd heard a Christian. You know how we hear buzzwords and we try to repeat what we heard on TVN or on the YouTube and we say some spiritual thing. It means nothing to us. It may sound good. She's like, son of David. He goes, she said, Lord, what did you call me? You are the master. Here's what it means in the, in the Greek. You are the master of all things. You are the controller of things in heaven and in the earth. You are the sovereign, self-existent God, and there ain't nobody else beside you. What did you call me? Lord, you're it. Listen to this. You're the supreme authority. But not only are you those things that I heard about, but I believe that you are those things for me. And that's what I want to share with you this morning. It is one thing to say God is a healer, but do you believe that God is those things for you? It's one thing to say God has all power, but do you believe God has all power for you? one thing to say, oh, he provides. He brings man in the wilderness. Listen to me. I have learned from the birds. I watch them. Watch them. They, they're not freaking out about nothing. They don't worry. And God takes care of them. He's not only those things, but she was saying, you are those things for me. Lisa, would you come for me this morning? Would you come? He answered and said, after she said, Lord, help me. It's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. How hard was it for you the first time when you realized that you were an idolater? Or when you realized you were a fornicator or an adulterer? That's a hard thing. We have a religion now that says, come to Jesus, come to Jesus, let God hug you, 
you're accepted. No. Before I'm accepted of God, I have to accept what he says about me. And for him to say, you are lost without hope and without God. But you're not a dog like the world says. You're not an alley dog. You're close. That's what he was telling her. You may not be a child of Israel, but you're close to the table. See, he was giving her just enough to see if he could bring her along. He said, it's not meat to give the children's bread to dogs. Have you ever noticed what he was saying? There's a table. There's food. You're in the house. He was trying to get her to make the, the jump. He wasn't ignoring her. He was bringing the faith out of her with just little bits of encouragement. And she said, this is so beautiful. I hope you never see it the same way. He said, it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs. She said, oh, the truth. I'm a dog. But I'm your puppy. And even dogs eat bread that fall from the master's table. And you know what that word worship means? I challenge you to go look it up in the Greek. It means to fawn under the hand of a master like a dog would lick his hand. Jesus said, it's not meat to give the children's bread to dogs. She got up under his hand and kissed his hand and worshiped him and said, I'm who you said I am. But will you feed me? And because of that saying, Jesus was saying, you got it. I'm not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm your God. And because of your saying, he performed a miracle. I challenge you to find any like it or more than one like it. He didn't even speak healing. He didn't send the word. He just said, it's done. When was it done? How was it done? He said, oh, listen. When you found me, see, you were looking for an answer to the problem. But now you got me. I'm the answer to all of it. And he, she found him by accepting and addressing, I might be what you said, but can I still be yours? Bowing before him, accepting his words, and using them as the basis of her plea. I am who you said, but aren't you the Savior? I am a sinner, but didn't you die for my sins? She used his words as the basis of her plea. I'm not asking to be first, she said, just to be included. I'm not asking for a seat at the table. Just know I'm under here, looking, knowing whatever falls from the table comes from your hands. Any of y'all got dogs, inside dogs? I'm not not talking about a pocket dog where you put him in right here and you scratch him with one finger and his little tail. No, that's a gerbil. I'm sorry. He's cute, but that's not a dog. I got 176 pounds of pork chop at home. You can kick pork chop as hard as you want to kick him. And he goes, Grandma, Duke used to get under the table at Grandma's house. About 130 pound, 140 pound white dog. And he would rest his nose right on your thigh. And and just get wet and it drip. You know, he just drool and Duke. And you know what he would do? 
I'm not demanding that, but I'm right here. Even if you don't love dogs. And then they eat it, and then he gets closer. And by the time, by the, time the meal was done, you could see Duke's nose up past the tablecloth. It was just right there. She said, but don't dogs get the crumbs that fall? Isn't the table set? Am I not here? I'm not asking for the meal, just crumbs. And one crumb of God's grace can heal your home. One crumb of God's grace can bring you from darkness into light. One crumb can... (laughs) Jesus said, because of that saying, that what you just said, everything that you asked of me is done. Lastly, let's look at her reward. Her reward came because her faith was great. Her reward came because her heart was fixed. Her reward came because her soul was humble and her reward came because her words were acceptable. What are you saying about God in your difficulty? What are you saying about God in your conviction? What are you saying about God in your approach? Some of you are praying and God's seemingly ignoring you and you are talking about Him to your friends and family. What what you say about God determines God's reaction. What are you saying? He said, for this thy saying. What you said, what come out of your mouth. Now, the charismatics are wrong about positive confession. We don't create things with your confession. You know, it's like, it's not hell and I'm not hot. It's not hell and I'm not hot. It doesn't work like that. But by our words, are we justified or by our words, are we condemned? And Jesus said, because of your saying, what you just said, you will have it. What are you saying about God? What are you saying to God? Are you offended with God? And for that person, whoever you are, you come in this place today and you said, I'm not a Christian, I'm not a believer, but God still has his eye on you and you're still at the table. Could it be, not that we're right and you're wrong, could it, be, could it be that God loves you enough to step over your history, your traditions, and your belief system and says, I am the true God. I'm not their God. I'm your God. And this Syrophoenician woman turned her back on the faith of her parents, her grandparents, her great-grandparents, and accepted Christ. Don't tell me he healed her daughter and she wasn't forgiven. I wonder this morning, who is here with a burden that you can't carry? Something you can't fix. And the words of your mouth have been what's kept you from God. God is a rewarder. The Bible said the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth just to show himself strong on the heart of the one whose heart is perfect towards him. Could it be that you can more clearly articulate the dysfunction of your situation than your faith in the living God? It may be a select few. If you need a savior this morning or you need a miracle this morning, 
I invite you just very quickly. We're just going to pray a quick prayer, but it's you saying, you know, it's always good to take shots at your pride about what people think. I'm going to come and stand before him today, and I'm going to worship him for just a moment. And I'm going to say, I'm changing my words. I'm going to approach you differently. I'm going to approach you correctly. I'm going to approach you personally. And you're no respecter of persons. If you healed her daughter, you can do this for me. With every eye open, if that's you, if this word is spoke to your heart, I want you to come stand around this front. Just stand around this front. We're going to pray together. God bless you, sir. I need something from the Lord, and what I've been saying is not what I should have been saying. God bless you. People still coming. Could it be that this afternoon you're going to hear the Lord speak to your heart? For this thy saying, what you just said. Her words caught the ear of God. Her words reached the heart of God. And her words released the power of God. For this her saying. Church family, would you stand with me? Those who are our teachers, if you will hit, make your way to the tables, I want to say a word of prayer over these. Could somebody come and stand with them at the front? Guy with a guy, girl with a girl, just stand with them. And join with me as we pray over them this morning. We're going to believe with you and for you. I need a lady with this lady here, please. We speak over you in the name of Jesus. We make our petition and we declare boldly that your God is no respecter of persons. He is kind, he is good, he is patient, and he is all-powerful. Honor the Lord with your words and watch what he will do. As for the Lord, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He's a buckler to those that trust him. Hell fears him. Demons tremble at the mention of his name. And he's not just their God. He's your God. Worship the Lord in your weakness. Worship the Lord in your situation. Worship the Lord in the destruction. In the midst of it, offer him your praise. And watch and see what he'll do for you. And Lord, I pray that they will hear very soon in their spirit, in their soul. For this thy saying, what you just said changed everything. For this thy saying. Church family, would you look this way? May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and strength. Be thankful unto him and praise his name because the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and His truth endureth to all generations. And all of God's people together said, Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.